It's Survivor's Friendly Fire Show, episode 211 for September 2022. I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve Wright, and joining me is my friend and yours, Mr. Ben Salter. Hi, Ben. How is, well, like, let's get into it. How is your internet? Well, it's not fiber to the premises yet, but a man did come to my house. He dug up my driveway. He cut some cement and made a big hole, and there's now a box on the outside of my house, which is fiber leading into it. Uh, and now that needs to have another man come to the house and connect it to the actual boxy thing on the inside, which is happening next Friday, apparently. So not this episode, Steve, not the next episode, but at some point after that, it will be hopefully magical. And like in three weeks from now, you're maybe going to be broadcasting live from outside your house, just like Could be. jacked into that box because it's... <laughs> Look. I already know what's going to happen. The guy's going to come and he's going to be like, oh, we need to run it through like the ceiling of the garage to get it to the study, which is the next wall over. And he's going to be like, oh, we don't get paid enough of that. And so it's going to get like pushed in the wrong spot, the whole thing. So maybe I'll just do that. Maybe I'll just sit outside and have my nice fiber internet out there. Well, there you go. When they put, when they finally connected the HTC, is that what it is? HFC. Thank you. Like something that didn't sound right. When they finally connected the HFC to my house, then they just kind of like drilled through a wall into my garage and went, yeah, that's enough. That's done. And like the guy who was helping the NBN contractor, there was like five of them and they were doing like all the houses in the townhouses that we live in. He's like, oh man, you should really get him to try to move that inside your house. I'm like, yeah, I am. Trust me, I really am. And he's like, nah, too hard pile. We'll just leave it here. Like, yeah. All right. So, uh. It was like that weird thing of like, we have the internet, it's fast, I'm just not going to complain anymore because it's in my garage at least, and I, I have the know-how to get it through the rest of my house. Um, yeah, that's the next plan. Anyhow, we're through that. Well, we're not through that. It's still, go it's, it's still ongoing, but soon, at some point. Well, hopefully it's resolved soon. I will continually ask you for updates as yeah. we want to do. Uh, my hockey team made it to the grand final. Uh, and we've played one game of a best of three and we kicked their butts. So, uh, this coming Friday, we will, uh, put the final nail in their coffin. So I'll tell you all about it whenever I remember next time, because it's not in an ideal time and like, I'll probably forget because that's, that's right. how I roll. We can recreate it in NHL 23, 24, whatever year up to now at 23. 23 and it's not being renamed EA sports hockey club or something next year so it, why not well yeah like yeah just go for it They're just like burn every bridge just get rid of any licensed property and go loot yeah. boxes i don't know uh it's been a long week it's partially been a long week and i don't know when i calculate weeks from at this point ben but um it's been a long period of days because uh of a little sony title that was re-re-released depending on who you ask called the last of us part one um, I've said a lot about it on the internet and, uh, I'm keen to see if yeah, you have it. any takes or if I'm just going to talk, but, um, let's jump Probably. into it. Well, let's, let's very quickly go to the start. You really liked the original game. So 2013, did you give it the 10 or did someone else? Uh, Matt Gosper gave it a 10, but it's on my list of like the 10 best games of the last 10 years or so. That was a couple years old. But, yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. It was, it was a great game. Super compelling. You uh, in no way are against the game. You love the game. I uh, surely do. Your most recent review was about the re-remaster um, itself and that as a product, which is what it should be because you can still play that original and you can play the last remaster from 2014 uh, on your PS5 and it runs pretty well. I played it not that long ago when um, Last of Us Part 2 came out. I went back and played remastered. And it's still, it's it's a bit dated, but it's what you would expect in terms of gameplay. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily think it needed a remake or a second remaster or a th the easiest way to say it, because I got absolutely flamed for calling this a re-remaster, um, a third version of the game within nine years. Correct. Who cares if you call it a remaster, remake, whatever. It doesn't. I don't really care. They're all interchangeable, these terms these days, because people use them differently. 
Yes. I personally and we, believe we had that. an entire episode about that not too long we ago. To quickly recap, what we said then is basically, if you're fully remaking the game, that's what we call a remake. The gameplay needs to be remade because gameplay is king. If you're prettying it up, you're improving the aesthetics, the sound, all that type of stuff. Think of it like a song. That, that's considered a remaster. In the same way that the movie gets kind of um, redone uh, for a higher resolution format, that's a remaster. So I think that's pretty consistent. There's always going to be gray areas of which one does it fall into. But frankly, I don't really care. If you call this a remaster, remake, whatever you want to call it, it's the third version within nine years. That is what we can all agree on. And that is where it's a little harder to see why it exists so soon. Especially at a price tag of $125 Australian. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, like, and this is where, like, I hate the internet, really, because everyone is acting as if like cost is the only thing I factored into my words. And there are like a thousand of them. You should read them. I think I make a, a fairly compelling argument as to my reasons behind the 6.5 score. Um, like you were saying, this is the third game. It's the third version of this game in nine years. A year after it was released on PS3, it was put on on PS4 as remastered. And the game was amazing and people should play it and it's great. And if you were one of the people and there were many of them, because think of, think about the climate back in the time. Not a lot of people had a PS3 because 360 crushed it. So people might have skipped the PS3 like they skipped the Xbox One the generation after. So like in my mind, yeah, it was a year after this game was released. That's a little bit too soon. That's kind of double dipping into wallets. But maybe people didn't have a PS3 and it's a really good way to play this like phenomenal Naughty Dog game. On the PS4, which everybody and their dog had. Um, a year after that release, the gameplay still felt current because it was 2014, I think, at the time and not 2013. So, like, all the things that we have kind of seen evolve in that time hadn't happened yet. So, like, it didn't feel as jarring. Um, despite, you know, claims of the remake and, like, all this enhanced AI and this and that and the other, like, it, it still very much plays like a PS3 game. And it looks like a PS5 game. It looks absolutely phenomenal. But you will, I did, anyway, just kept headbutting against those, like, kind of older, not, like, not horribly designed things, but, like, just older pieces of functionality. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the crux of it. If, if you've never played this game before and you want the, the gorgeousest version of it, by all means, drop $125. But if you don't mind, if it looks a little bit older and, ha and has basically, not basically, pretty much 99% of the same gameplay, save $100 and get The Last of Us remake, remastered PS4 version for PS5. <laughs> that made sense. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much more to say about it. Like it's we, no, we weren't I, just going on cost. We were going on the how the gameplay is dated, how it's the third release in so long. If it was if it was on PlayStation Plus in some capacity, if it was cheaper, that would have factored into these things. And I think that's that's the thing here. Like cost has to factor into a review. Not in every you know, like 100% of of the, the criteria, of course, but like it has to in some way. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, I think. We have we have a, a topic planned. You might you might see a, a theme running through today. It, yeah, it was. it's just disappointing that it's $125 in Australia to play a really gorgeous game that still handles like a PS3 game. So it's like a, a fresh coat of paint on something that you might have already dropped like $200 on in the yeah. last 10 years. Yeah, I think that's very fair, and there's definitely a market for that. There's, as other people have said, the people who haven't played this game yet who will love it to such a degree they will be willing to pay the top price for the absolute best version of it. And there's no doubt this is the best version if you're not worried about the cost. Yeah. Um, but if you're less certain of if you're going to love it, um, or you just kind of want to dabble in it, then there's a much cheaper option which plays about the same. And I still think that if you're a game players king type of person, you'd go for that. And that's a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's why you're looking at a review. Should I, especially for a remake or a remaster, that's why I'm looking at this version in the same way you might look at a review for a phone kind of thing. Should I upgrade from my previous version of this same phone? Should I get the premium top-end model for way more money for a few more features? And that's what you're considering when you're looking at value. And a game is in much the way the same thing. Or to, to compare it to other media, it's a really detailed review of the Blu-ray versus the HD Blu-ray, which costs like massively different for some reason yeah a 4k version i should say 4k blu-ray 
is way more expensive. But if you're really into something, you're probably willing to pay it. Most people will probably say, you know what, if for some reason I want the disc, I'll buy the Blu-ray, or if I'm happy with the streamed version, I'll just stream it somewhere. And yep. I don't necessarily need that extra cost. So similar thing to factor in here. Yeah, and like they, they've, they've, the lighting is amazing. The character models, like I think some of them are literally just from The Last of Us Part Two. Like they look, they, they look like PS5 assets. They are PS5 assets. Um, character uh, models I've already talked about. I'm talking about performance captures where my brain was going. Like it is amazing, but like the performance capture is in cutscenes. And, you know, like you play through the first 15 minutes and it's like extremely compelling. And it's like they've never looked more realistic and the responses and the reactions have never looked more realistic. But there's something in my mind, at least, is that is detracted from the experience because I know exactly what's going to happen at the end of that 15 minute prologue. And I know exactly what's going to happen, you know, at the midpoint of the game. I know exactly what's going to happen at the end of the game. So all of those amazing performances would definitely have resonated with me more if they were new and I was experiencing this for the first time. But like, I've retread this story at least three times. I've played probably remastered twice. I've played The Last of Us twice. So it like, it looks gorgeous, but like, I don't know if I'm, I was, would be prepared to pay or recommend that people pay $125 for that. Like you could go on YouTube right now and watch 4K captures of mm. all the cutscenes if you really wanted to, to get that nuance it doesn't really factor into the gameplay and the gameplay is where it's a little bit dated like you know um because it was really always about having some sort of ai companion with you at all times usually ellie um tess at the start like you'll you'll walk into an encounter and joel's crouched over stealthy like we can't let any of these seven goons see us or we'll you know we'll surely be done for and like the ai companion you have is just like walking out in front of them like forgetting it should be like in a stealth animation crouched and you're like oh well like, it doesn't affect my gameplay. They they don't see this character, like, that's right in front of them, like, running into them. But it's like, that was 2013. And I'm sure there's yeah. a better way to do it now, and you wouldn't, you know, have that happen. And even just, like, the things where, like, your flashlight goes out and you have to tap the dual shock or the dual sense now to, to turn your flashlight back on. I'm like, I don't make motion control the thing I have to do. Like, it's like the Uncharted games where you had to, like, scrub on the touchpad or something to, like, do something with the map. It's like, I don't, I don't need that. Um, but anyway, like, it does really look amazing. There's other cool things, I guess, about it that we can talk about. It, it seems like maybe, or just hopeful fans have potentially found the next Naughty Dog IP kind seems of just like. Easter egged in here. Yeah. yeah. How much do you know about this? Uh, what you wrote on the internet is what I know what, about. What it. our uh, new intern, Ethan Dean, wrote on the internet, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, Hi, Ethan. Yeah. We'll get you on soon. Just not today. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's basically just some fantasy assets, a dragon, that type of thing, which is suggesting a possible new fantasy game from Naughty Dog. And they, people believe this because they did the same thing in Uncharted 3 to tease The Last of Us 1. So it would absolutely make sense that they're doing it again now. Um, we don't know what else they're working on. So it seems like they'll be doing something new. I don't think they're going straight into another Last of Us game. They've never done that since they've been kind of on and off Uncharted, Last of Us. They've kind of alternated. Doesn't seem like they're going back to Uncharted. So something new is probably in the pipeline. Yeah, it's that, like I know um, Neil Druckmann's kind of busy with the HBO TV show, but I feel like Naughty Dog and, and Sony Santa Monica are doing the same kind of thing right now. Like Corey Barlog isn't doing Ragnarok, or he's like involved in it, obviously, but he's, he's not the, the head honcho, it's someone else. Just like um, Druckmann wasn't, you know, like the driving force of part one because they're doing the next thing. Like, this is the, like, interim project to take both these studios to the next thing. And that's really cool, because, like, the the 2018 God of War, whenever that came out, was yeah, really good. Like, yep. The Last of Us, like, part two rubbed me a little, in, you know, in, in some, some bad ways. But, like, it's they're good, compelling narratives. Like, they're good. So, like, if there's something cool and new coming out that involves dragons, um, maybe it'll scratch that, like, what was that cancelled platinum? Games of uh, platinum right. scale bound. Yeah. Maybe it'll scratch that itch. So every, who no one loses in this case, which is good. Yeah. So well yeah, that's cool. Uh so while we're on the topic of generally cost of things, I think that's where we're leading. Mm. Um to recap very briefly, in Australia last generation, pretty much all games had a recommended price of ninety nine ninety five, so hundred dollars. And Sony's brought that up to one twenty five this generation for its first party game. So a pretty big jump. 
And I know they've gone 60 to 70 in the US, but it still feels like we've gone a little further than they have, it, at least mentally, like that's a big jump. Because um, a bunch of other publishers this gen have gone to 110, so they're not on their own Sony. Not everyone's done that. And a bunch did last generation as well. And then kind of after a year or so, after that cross-gen period ended, they kind of just went back to 100. Um, and it has to be said that our dollar is pretty strong at that point in time. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, meanwhile, Switch has reduced itself to 79.95. I think previous generations for Nintendo were more than that. So they've gone the other way, but they've also gone in some middle ground between a handheld and a console. So I think that's probably why. And also, um, I guess, to throw something into that wrench really quickly, the 79.95 like Nintendo price Switch game generally will stay at that price forever. until the end of time. Whereas Sony and Microsoft, all the third-party publishers will Everyone. eventually reduce the cost of their games, depending. Because, like, I think uh, yeah. Bandai Namco was really smart. Now that Elden Ring's done so well, like they've like they've left the prices of all the old Dark Souls games like at a pretty hefty rate. But anyway, I digress. Sorry, I cut you off. Yes, especially Bethesda. Their games seem to go down to about twenty-five bucks within three to six months every time. You can get Deathloop and even Ghostwire Tokyo was on Amazon for twenty-five bucks last week. So their games never hold value. Don't know why. Just how it is. Um, mm. So I suppose if we put reviews aside, just generally speaking, is cost a factor? Where enough, I guess, first buying a new game, do people or should people or do you? consider the cost of a new release and should you wait for it to drop as you just said most of the time games do unless it's a nintendo game and then is it different for a remaster or remake something that's older something that you've potentially already played do you expect that to be cheaper i want to talk about reviews at a certain point but we won't do that yet but i guess like i'm, I'm trying first oh yeah but like i guess i'm trying to think as a consumer and it's hard to because you and i generally don't have to pay for these games that we're playing most of the time. And if I had to pay for all of the games that I have in my library, I would be broke. So I guess as a consumer, you have to think about how much budget you can put towards games and then work with that budget. And I know that budget's going to be different for every single person out there, but like that could mean that some person has to buy one game that'll like take them through three months, or it could be someone can buy a game every two days. So it's like, I'm not answering your question. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's, I think you have to think about cost and your situation, of course. And like, I will stop talking about reviews, but like, you have to kind of factor that in as some point of, point of writing. Um, I guess another factor to think about, like, and there are people that do this, um, and like that Avatar game on Xbox 360 is a great example because I found it for like 10 bucks. And I bought it because it was an easy thousand gamer score. Like it's not even like a, a new game or a remake or a remaster. It's like, oh, is there easy achievements or easy trophies? And like you are thinking about cost in one of those factors even a little bit. And it might just be like, nah, I got money to burn. Like, but it might be, no, like I need to, I need to really be careful about what I buy. Or, you know, like in the case of The Last of Us, do I save a hundred dollars and play a version of the game? which is still the same story from start to finish and roughly the same gameplay, you know, maybe without improved AI pathing or whatever. But like, yeah. if I, if I don't spend a hundred dollars there, I can buy a hundred dollar game on top of that. Um, I think there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like I, I don't really think it's sound for Sony to charge $125 for a PS5 game when, Microsoft is, you know, doing the smart delivery thing and giving you versions of Xbox and Xbox or Xbox One and Xbox Series games for like a hundred dollars. But like they're getting away with it. I don't think it's great that 2K is charging like that extra premium for like their current gen or yeah, current gen games. I think there's a lot of But so is Microsoft. They I think they're charging one ten now. Are they? So is Activision, so is EA. Okay. Uh depends what it is. Well, Microsoft's a bit different in that they do the get it on Game Pass or buy it, the special fancy edition, and get it three days early or whatever. So there's harder to tell what they're doing. Mm. Um, but certainly Activision, who may soon be part of Microsoft, they charge their 110 now. And there's, yeah, like the cross-buy bundles that, uh, there's a lot of like sports games, the NBAs and the FIFAs that are like, spend 130 and you'll get the PS4 and the PS5 version. Or the Xbox yes. and the Xbox versions, because you get two different achievement and trophy sets. Like, I don't know, it's just... 
if, yes. if people are buying them, that's telling these companies that they can do it. So I guess that's kind of the bottom line. Like, is it acceptable? Maybe not, but it, are we accepting it? Yes. And that's the whole point. Before we touch on should we be talking about this in reviews, um, if we, not to harp on The Last of Us, but it is a strange situation having three games in nine years. Um, and also having the third version be 25% more expensive than the last two versions were when they launched. I know inflation's played a role there, but we just talk sticker prices. That's what it is. That's super rare. I can't remember that happening pretty much ever. Um, we did get criticized for not doubt, not, um, they're all about scores, all people care about, but they said we yeah. didn't take cost into consideration enough with Skyward Sword HD. Um, but I will dispute that in that it is, yeah, I think it should have been cheaper. I think $80 for that game is too much. I think it should, I think Nintendo need a budget of price in there, which they used to have. They used to have like a 50 or a 60. Um, but like you say, then get away with it. So they don't need to. Um, but the Wii, uh, recommended retail price for a Wii game in Australia was $100 and now it's $80. So it did actually launch cheaper. It certainly didn't go up from what the Wii version was. So different situation. And it's also the, the second version of a game within 12 years or something. It's not, not the third one. So different situation there. Um, and then if you, I suppose if you look at other remasters, remakes, re-releases, there's different ways to look at that value in there. So yeah. um, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is a great example of a, a recent kind of remaster that's similar, but probably to a lesser extent than The Last of Us. Its gameplay is still dated. Yeah. Um, it's it's, like, the, it's like the PS4 remastered version of The Last of Us if we're trying to equate it. But it's, th yeah, the three mm. games. One is like ancient and gross, Mass Effect, and they tweaked it a bit. Oh. Sorry, I cut you off. You keep going. I liked it. I would say it's in between the two. So in 2014, when Last of Us 1 Remastered came out, that's what we expected from a remaster. It was a pretty technological jump from the 360 PS3 to the 1 PS4. 60 frames. Um, and 60 frames and getting it up to 1080. We didn't have 4 HD for games at that point. So it was a, a decent jump. Um, and we expect a bit more now, which we got with Mass Effect, I thought. It was. It did have some new assets, but not a lot. It was mainly the, the resolution and some tweaks, mostly, as you say, to the first game that needed the most work. Yeah. Um, and they were just, yeah, it was made a more cohesive package than the three games separately are. And I think for $100, so that didn't get the price increase because it was technically the last-gen game, um, decent value because when you oh. break it down to $30 a game, that seems okay, but it's still a, you still have to outlay the same amount of money, but you get a lot of games for that. And I, I oh, think most people... Not a lot of games. Well, a lot of games, but not, not just a lot of games. Like a lot of gameplay hours. That's like at least, I'd say, 60 hours of gameplay. So if you're looking for... Like, depending, like, depending on if you're going to play all three, how far you go into like the role-playing. But like 60 is probably a minimum. I think it probably took me like 80 to go through and like do everything I wanted, go all through all the side missions, like really just like invest myself. And that's like, that's a really good return on investment in my opinion. Yeah. Two two things on that. One is longer gameplay doesn't mean better game, better value necessarily. Oh, of course it doesn't. Because um, then you have the, the Ubisoft like Valhalla's of yeah. the world where it's just like a map full of icons. But this is for three games. So like... Over three games. But having yeah. played them, I would say Mass Effect 3 was the weakest because I thought it was too long. I mm. really liked the link. Like one is the shortest and I quite like that link. Um, anyhow, that's each person. Again, <laughs> all relative, your own opinion on that. Exactly. Um, the, the thing which I think so many did... Now, I guess, move into the area of what should we consider in a review is so many critics who, as you say, we don't have to pay for every game we get. We don't have to pay for a lot of games we get, if we're totally honest. Hmm. Um, for that factor, they kind of forget how much it adds up if you play a bunch of different games. And there's this whole market of people who can't afford that. Think back to when you were a kid and you got two games a year. Yep. The value is super important. If you're saving up to buy these yourself, the cost is super important. And that is where, hey, I get three games for my money with Mass Effect. And also kind of knowing that if I wait six months, nine months, it's going to come down at least half price again. So maybe I should wait. Like I think that knowing when to wait, knowing when this is actually really worth spending <laughs> that extra money is important for a huge market of people who older people like us who don't, even if we did have to buy games, we could have probably afford to get the ones we want to now. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Like every uni student ever has to pick and choose. It's just your point in time. Um, when you're at that stage of life. And I think it, I used to think it was really important when I was reading reviews back then to kind of see what I wanted to do and what I wanted to play. Um, people's opinion on value and if you need to play it now was a big part of it. I think it's going to be spoiled for you. Is it not going to be as fun in a few months if it's a multiplayer game because people jump off? Um, or is it worth waiting for a little while like a Mass Effect and it will still be great? Like that's all, that was important to me at the time. Yep. 
And it, like a big thing that I have a problem with is I don't I don't have patience. I, like I know there's an entire Reddit for patient gamers and they're playing games from like five years ago that they got for 10 bucks. And I'm mm. like, if I could do that, I would love to do that. But I like I need to be on it straight away. Like so like getting it at a discount is not a big thing for me. So if I'm writing, it's like this person is like on the edge. They're deciding if they want to buy it or not. And like that that is a factor. There's far there's way more other factors. And you've already talked about Zelda. People have been throwing my Alan Wake remastered uh, review in my face. Like, you gave this a 10. It's the same thing. That's like, well, it's the... It's 30 bucks. It's the, yeah, it was substantially cheaper. And it was the first time this game has been re-released in 10 years. Not the third or second, I guess. Sorry. Um, and it was also a game that was, like, in a cult status. So kind of like The Last of Us again. It was like, oh, maybe you missed it on PS3 because you didn't get it on PS3. It's on PS4 now. And I, you know... Yes, good, great. Alan Wake on 360 probably wasn't played by a lot of people. It's the first time it's made to PlayStation. Like, there's all these people who didn't have access to this game 10 years later that now can play it. I love that game. Like, just as much, more than The Last of Us. It was number one on my top 10 games of the thing I was talking about before. But it was also, like, to hype up and build anticipation for Alan Wake 2. Not a TV show. Like, I guess that's what The Last of Us Part 1 is doing. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just... The, I, I'm not in a vacuum. Like, I, I am trying to assess multi-facets of things to try to get to a, a decision as to why it's good. People were also saying, like, oh, so if Saints Row was 40 bucks, would you have given it a date? Like, no, because it was bad. Like, it's underbaked, it's undercooked, it doesn't matter if it was free. It's not a good game. Like, cost isn't everything when you come into... If you like a game, let alone how you potentially review a game. Um, yes. And like when things like, oh, it's a free to play game. You must think it's amazing. 10 out of 10 because it's free. It's like, well, multiverses can have a lot of fun and engagement if you like the Smash style thing. But also like a Batman skin costs like 30 bucks. And that's garbage too. Like you can't ignore cost. You don't have to obsess about cost. But, you know, that's as important as design, gameplay, UI, functionality, like anything. It's like it's a, it's a portion of how you assess something as a consumer or writing about it, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And as, certainly now that we're getting way more remasters, remakes than we ever have before, like there are so many. And part of that is that we're in a new generation. So it's a great time to do it for publishers. Part of it is the pandemic, which has slowed down development. So it's a quick way to, or it's in some cases, the only way to get some games out. Um, and some of it's just because they obviously sell. So, like, we may as well do stuff. Do you think EA would have bothered doing three Mass Effect games if they didn't think that was definitely going to sell a bunch of load? And it did. So, like, they'll probably do... Well, they're remaking Dead Space now. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think the fact that we're getting more means we're starting to kind of maybe in some way get over them. Um, but probably expecting more is the big thing. It's the early days when they were pretty rare. So, like, to go back to Last of Us Remastered the first time... There weren't that many remasters then. It was early in the generation. It was actually kind of cool to have that game on PS4 and running better. Mm. Um, I didn't play it right away because I just played it. But a lot of people, as you say, probably missed it. Maybe they swapped to PlayStation that generation. Great time to release that game. But that happening now, we're in a time when the same upgrades, a lot of them are free. And yeah. then a lot of them are small, uh, small fees. So I think like Rockstar's charging 15 bucks or something for GTA 5, or they were for a period of time. I think that's fair enough in some situations. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, to go up to a full remake for $125 seems to be, they seem to be trying to see where the line is and see how far they can kind of stretch that. Yeah. Which is fun. And like the timing, the timing is a bit sus as well. Like we, we've all, like I did too, we all played a little bit at least of remastered on PS4 or like those who were so inclined and those who were excited about part two coming out before yeah. part two. So it's not been that long since you've replayed that game already. It's just, it's, yeah. And I, like, if they release this for 125 with a copy of part two, different story. Like that's, that's, that's borderline great value. Like it's, there's just, yeah, it's, it seems unfriendly to consumers and it feels like Sony knew they could get away with this. They like went and did some, you know, market research and decided this was a good price point and yeah. like good for them. Like, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up my uncomfortability, that's a word, uh, with the decision. 
I think they're just, they don't want to devalue their products. They want to try to do what Nintendo's done at a higher price point and just doesn't matter what the game is, we're launching at 125. And so I think that's why previous generations, even something like Ratchet and Clank, they might have launched a little cheaper. I can remember the PS4 version launch and it was like 60 something dollars on the PS store, like it was not 100. Um, and it's probably because they were targeting kids with that game, so they went a cheaper price point. And I think both those games are great, good fun. Um, don't know that it's worth that much being that it's a pretty short game, but good. I really like that game. Yeah. But back then they had different price points. It seems now they've just gone with where a premium first party student developer, publisher, um, everything is that price. We don't want to devalue ourselves. That seems to be Jim Ryan's stance. And to a degree, fair enough, like they are, they do release such a strong um, caliber of first party games, which Microsoft can't get close to. Uh, they're trying to by buying more studios, but they haven't proven it yet. Uh, Nintendo is probably in a similar situation, but they, they make smaller scale games and they, they release them cheaper, but they don't lose their value. And there's reason for that. Like, um, they don't, they don't age as much. Um, they're probably in that great group of, you can play a Nintendo game in that Reddit group. Who's happy to play it five years later. And it's still just as good because they're not trying to push the boundary in terms of tech and, um, gameplay innovation. Like, you know what you're getting with a Nintendo game and mostly it's great. And they've kind of found (laughs) where they can hold their value. I think Sony's trying to do the same, but at, at a much higher price point. I've got a lot of people like throwing abuse my way in my head, so I apologize if I'm like harping on this too much. But like, we have this weird uh, faults. I think like, uh, what's the word I want? I've, lo- I've lost the word. We have this. There's this perception. That's not the word I want, but it'll work. That we are, like love anything that Nintendo puts out. And I feel oh, like yeah. of late, Nintendo's really dropped the ball on like the half-baked golf title or the half-baked stalker title. Um, when this podcast comes out, our review of Splatoon 3 will be out. It's in progress and it's Jay. So I'm not going to speak for Jay, but I played like two hours in preview not too long ago. Splatoon 3 is Splatoon 2, but Salmon Run is always on and there's a couple new weapons. But otherwise, it's Splatoon 2 and Nintendo wants you to pay full price for basically the same game, not too long after that game was released on the same platform. So it's not like looking any better. It's the same, it's the same game basically. Um, And there's a commitment to two years of content. So like, they're basically just like every sports game ever saying, give us a full priced game uh, fee. Thank you. And here's the next version, which is basically the same. And like, you look at our reviews of NHL and stuff of late, it's like, yeah, this is, this is a, crap copy paste job because it's retreading the same stuff and they want you to pay full price and like we've not been kind to a lot of those releases this like so yeah anyway i've been too stop negative. talking there is one more remake or remaster there no it was a remake that i should bring up being last year's because there have been so many pokemon games in the last 12 months pokemon brilliant diamond shining pearl um i think that's the right way around i gave that a six i think um and so again that's a a nintendo franchise which normally does really well normally i really like and it's not to say i hated this game it just was disappointing as a remake it's we expect more than that from pokemon remakes they normally bring the old generations up to the current standard or even better and they didn't do that um and so but people kind of ignore some of those ones when it's i suppose it's a lesser lesser known or um yeah, not the same prestige level as The Last of Us, but it potentially should be. Like the Pokemon remakes get considered second tier for some reason, even though some of them are the best games in the series. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we're we're not anti. We're, we're we're certainly not anti Nintendo, but we're not super pro them either. We we judge every game on its merit, and I think we're relatively fair with that as we see it. And people may see it differently, and that's totally fine. Yeah, there was one guy. There's there's been a lot of comments, but there's one guy who's like, I read your words, and I agree with most of it i'm like well you don't have to agree with anything i say but thank you for like constructively or just at least calmly replying and not threatening my mother or something like you don't have to agree i i I don't like invent the universe or something i don't make like facts come to be like this is what i think about the game you can agree you don't have to agree factor it into your decision if you want to make a purchase or not thank you very much this it'd has be been my su- TED talk. <laughs> it'd, it'd be super boring if we all agreed about everything. Like it's, uh, you get different opinions, and that's the whole point of it. If everything was a ten or everything was a two or Metacritic, what's the point? Like it's, you should get yeah. different opinions. And you generally there's a consensus. If you're looking for that consumer advice, you would normally see a trend. 
but if you're kind of if you're not if you just want to see some criticism and analysis of games, it's way more interesting to have different opinions. There are some people out there who love Saints Row. Now I think they're wrong, but like they enough, are. But yeah, <laughs> like good on them. That's what I'm, we want. I'm glad they found enjoyment in that game, and I'm glad if you find enjoyment in The Last of Us Part One and you think that it was money well spent, then good. That's like. I don't ever want someone to like buy something and be like, wow, this was a waste of my money. So good for you. Um, If you want to buy a PlayStation five, just kind of keeping this cost topic, uh, you're going to have to spend, if you can find one, which I guess it's getting a little bit easier to do so, but not a lot. Um, You're going to have to drop in Australia, 50 bucks extra. So uh, in, in most markets around the world, apart from the U S Sony has raised the price of uh, both, skews of the ps5 in australia it's gone with the disc-based uh version from 749 to 799 with the disc list version it's uh 649 used to be 599 um i think we didn't do too badly in the regions i can't remember like one of the regions had like a i think it's japan had the highest percentage wise hike i can't remember um but yeah like it's it's hard to find these consoles it's two years after the console was released. The console is now expensive. Is that normal? Should we be preparing for this? Well, it's it's not normal historically in terms of consoles. I can't think of any other console that had its price go up after nearly two years for the same thing. And it's not even the same thing. They've actually managed to... Uh, so normally what would happen, to give a brief rundown, is the purpose of slim consoles is to basically shrink everything, put cheaper components in, and then you can sell it cheaper. And your marketing team does a great job of saying, look, it's a fancy new version and it's cheaper. But it's glossy black instead of matte black this time. (laughs) Ultimately, they they don't release slim versions just to sell you a cheaper console. They do it so that they can make a cheaper console and then sell you a cheaper console. Clearly, we need slim versions of these. They're obviously not ready to do that entirely. Um, but there's a new version of the PS5. It's in Australia already, so I know people have like weighed it, and it's it's a decent amount lighter than the original, but it looks the same. Um, and there was uh, just before we started recording this, there was finally a teardown of it, and it's totally different on the inside. So they've totally rebuilt it, new motherboard, smaller heatsink, all that stuff. So they've clearly cut some costs on manufacturing, and they've still put the price up. Uh, now I know that there's like inflation is crazy all over the world. I'm sure it costs them more money to make this thing. Um, but it's not like people haven't been buying one because they were just waiting. I'm sure some people were waiting for the price to come down, but a lot of people just couldn't get one. Yeah. And so it's it's quite a slap in the face to then have to pay more because you weren't able to get one earlier. Like it's it just seems it's very anti-consumer. And I know Sony are clearly trying to make profit on hardware, which you traditionally don't do unless you're Nintendo with hardware this early. Yeah. Um, because they make a cut on every game sold, so that's where you get your money back through that. Yeah, let's EB talk about attach of- rates, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> EB Games kind of says, what about me? Where do I make my money? Uh, so and it's- it's, attach rates are you go and buy a console and you buy like three games alongside yes. the console. Like that's, that's right. it's yeah, like a console is, is, gen- is traditionally a, a loss leader because you recoup the cost in games. So like Sony is an example, you're charging $125 for games on top of your console like you just you shave a bit off the console because you're going to kind of recoup that in the last of us part one and part two and whatever and else. every game every game sold on playstation sony takes a cut from they take yep. a licensing fee i think nintendo is like 30 percent or something like they do a full apple um <laughs> and microsoft so does make- as well it's like it's yeah, oh, yeah it's, absolutely, it's, absolutely. It's, no one is exempt from this no so that and that's why the i mean the stores or the digital stores are locked off on this console they would love you buying everything from there because you're getting them less often on sale and they're getting a bigger cut from everything so yeah perfect for them and that is why we normally don't see this type of thing it's why pretty quickly both nintendo and microsoft came out and said we're not raising our prices <laughs> now different situations um xbox is by far still third place this generation well i don't i don't really know which generation nintendo's in so let's not talk about place well they're kind of in both. switch is um, still selling hand over fist so we'll, we'll count that as a current gen console even though it has the power of a last gen console well, uh, but then did, did Switch is Switch winning last generation or is it winning this generation? It's definitely winning a generation. It's pr- it um, almost won against the PS4, and it is it's yeah it's it, yeah anyway yeah it's thing, it doesn't Nintendo's matter. happy, <laughs> and that's that's exactly why they don't need to drop the price. One, they actually found a way to increase the price by releasing the Switch OLED, but that's a different model. Yeah. Two, 
they don't need to drop the price because this is so ancient now that they probably are making it a fair bit cheaper and they can just kind of use that. Uh, to go back to Microsoft, they need every sale they can get and they can, they're a massive company. Like they can absorb the extra costs. But Sony's not. And they're small. also throwing like Game Pass and like all these other sort of like kind of loss leaders at the moment, like with the long game, because like they can be propped up by Windows and every other micro. Like they're not worried about money at this point. They're like trying to build up studios. They're going to give games away on Game Pass. Like not give them away. You have to pay for it. But yeah, like they're not concerned about about losing money in the short term, where Sony clearly is. Yes, and I think there's probably a few sides to it. One being the fact that you can't go into a store and buy a PS5. You can't even get one online. Like they, they sell out within like 10 minutes still. Um, you can't put your name down anywhere. That stuff is still nearly two years in, not happening. So from that point of view, they underpriced this thing. Like it sells so quickly that they could have charged more to begin with and they didn't probably to match what Microsoft were doing. Yeah. Um, so there is that. Like, I mean, from that point of view, potentially it should have cost more to begin with. But it's still rough to put the price up now. And I think because we had so long of like these new consoles or 750, and I remember when that price came out, people were kind of shocked because it seems high at the time. But we got over it's, it pretty quickly. It still seems high, but okay, sure. It's a good statement. I, I'll agree, but... Yeah. No, well, I think we got used to it is what I'm saying. Like That's just what the cost is. And if you wanted the cheaper console, there was the Series S or there's a Switch. like, Or even the last-gen consoles are still around. Like There were yeah. cheaper options. It did. It was higher than we expected, I think. Um, but we've we've had almost two years to get to accept seven fifty. That's a price. I'm sure there are people waiting for it to drop, but we kind of got used to it. I think going up now to eight hundred, that's like a pretty big mental block. Like if you were on the fence of like if my, I can, you know, if I'm on Twitter at the right time and I can get one, I'll nab it. If they come into stores at some point, I'll get one. Or otherwise, I'm happy to wait for a price drop at seven fifty. You're in the seven hundreds now that it's. I mean, it's $800 now. It's, it's gone to that next level of, well, hang on. That's actually, we're getting, for some reason in my head, when you're hitting 800 compared to set in the sevens, I'm thinking $1,000, like I'm getting towards that. Well, budgeting you, you buy an like extra controller, you, you have an attach rate of one game, Ben, and you're you're over $1,000 at that point. You'd be at like 1025 or something like that. So Yeah, so, well, it's, it's just mentally different. That said, you bring up a good point, the... Uh, PS5 does come with a controller that has a battery in it. Now, it's a terrible battery. The uh, Xbox Series X does not have any batteries. Well, it does have batteries. It doesn't have a rechargeable battery. You can buy the Xbox One that goes in there. That's 30 bucks. It's way better than the DualSense one. It lasts way longer. Yeah. But you have to buy it separately, which is so... Okay, fine. An Xbox costs you 780 then. Like, it's... Yeah, there is that. That's something that a lot of people probably didn't consider. But it's, it's that mental block. I think there's a huge difference between 750 and 800. And the problem with that $800 console now is that very sh- shortly, soon, we will have the announcement of the actual release date of PlayStation VR 2 with all of its bells and whistles, which I think will also be priced around like $700, $800 for the tech it has inside of it. Like it's going to be an expensive unit. So that's something to think about. Um, I think the only other time that like I've been aware of like a piece of hardware going up in cost without like anything really changing is like the Meta Quest or the Meta Quest 2, like Facebook's. It's Meta's Facebook, you know what I mean. Um, like, because they bought Oculus, they upped the price kind of with the same, you know, explanation, inflation, you know, like it's expensive to make this. Like, if you're taking a playbook out of Meta's book, out of Facebook's playbook, is that like, do you think, do you honestly think that's a good idea? I can't imagine so. Um, and like, also just like at least put it up by a little bit and the states like make the yeah. rest of the world feel like it's not just like an us versus them situation because it, it is clearly is <laughs> yeah yeah i think and probably the last thing you can take away from this is for all of those people out there waiting for that price drop because they thought 750 was too much there's no price drop coming anytime soon if ever like nintendo hasn't dropped the price of the switch or generation although it does go on sale sometimes in australia at least yeah um but these these are not dropping anytime soon. I think the Series S is way overpriced still. Um, maybe that could get a price drop. But like, yeah, it's, if you can find, you can still find the odd PS5 come to stock briefly on Amazon for seven fifty. I'm sure there's a date where that's going to stop happening. But if you see one, get it. 
these are not going to go cheaper anytime soon. Yeah. I think we might even get to like the five, six, seven year mark of this generation and had no price drop. Or maybe Sony goes back to the 750. Like it's, it seems like this is the cost and you got a great deal if you bought a launch PS5 because if you could, turns if you out could it's find cheaper. one, yeah. 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 It's, it's like the thing in the paper or like there was the onion. It's like a landlord remarkably remembers to reduce cost of rent uh, when the price of living goes down because they're mm. obviously hiking up rent now that the cost of living is going up. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd yeah. like to see it go both ways, but who knows if it will. Um, I think the demand is so high on any of these consoles, like even the Switch, like it's it's not like out of stock in stores, but like the turnover is crazy. Like yeah. they're just in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. Like why would you put the cost of one of these consoles down? Because people want them right. and they will pay that money. People will probably, people, I don't think that the people will be that fussed over 50 bucks, but like it's still... You just wish you didn't see it, to be honest. But Yeah. Well, now, if the cost of living is hurting you, something you should definitely do is change the power setting mode on your Xbox because it is costing you a fortune to not play it, as it turns out. Uh, this was probably announced a while ago, but like I didn't really see it until it kind of went over Twitter yesterday in that uh, leaving your Xbox Series X in standby mode uses around 11 to 13 watts, which uh, The Verge did in UK pricing. So just a quick change to Australian dollars is about $100 a year per console to not do anything. That's when it's just in standby mode. Um, obviously, it uses more power when you're playing a game. And the Series S and the One are not far behind it. Um, whereas the PS5 uses 2 watts in rest mode, which is essentially nothing. And they both use 0.5 in their energy saving mode. Uh, so does the Switch in its sleep mode. So essentially, to wrap all that up, the Xbox is pretty power hungry when it's doing nothing, and the other two are pretty efficient. <laughs> to wrap that all up, what the hell, Microsoft? Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. Um, and like something that we we did cover a while ago, because Microsoft has been really good about trying to push energy saving mode, energy saver mode, and this is why. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, yeah, we get out. <laughs> and make it enticing to do so. So, like, you used to have to be in standby mode to to download game updates overnight um, if they were pushed through. Whether or not that actually worked for for you is is anyone's guess, because like, yeah, who knows. But um, and like whether or not it works in energy saving mode is still the same question. But at least in energy saver mode now, you can pull those theoretically pull those updates. Um, so Microsoft's been trying to encourage people to switch to that mode. But I guess I'm just curious as to why you would even have that option there anymore. Like, why it's, not? It's I think it's got to do with the OS and it's too deeply ingrained for them to take it away because, as you say, they've essentially... And they didn't do a great job of announcing this because until this came out, I didn't realize you could now download updates in Energy Saver, um, which oh. was the whole reason I had it in standby. So I've switched mine over. It I don't know if it does it automatically, but as you said, it didn't do it automatically most of the time for me in standby. But it does mean you can go in, manually say, take all updates and do them, and then turn your console off and it will still... Yeah keep downloading whereas previously it would have stopped sometimes um, it works sometimes it just doesn't sometimes like it knows that you're going to be over like capacity on your ssd or something so it can't like it yeah it's it's kind of muddy but not, it's not great yeah uh, but so essentially they've replaced their instant on with energy saver which is kind of the closer to what rest mode is on playstation now because it seems like They've, I mean, it's not quite as good. PlayStation seems to be able to do more stuff in its rest mode because it's not its fully off state. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it kind of seems like they've realized they've stuffed up instant on. They can't just take it away or fix it. But what they could do is improve Energy Saver because that's now the default out of the box, which it wasn't. Yeah. And yeah, that's so, including updates over, like, over off, air quotes yeah. off time. And they've also reduced the amount of time it takes to turn back on when you. Yeah, much way quicker. It used to take forever. Like I was looking at that screen, like eight, nine seconds. And they and they had to like change the Xbox animation because it was too long for like the time needed to start. So that's like really cool. Um, but yeah, like no one cares about yeah. this unless you're like looking at your power bill or you're like a weird nerd about this kind of stuff. Which I think it's, I think it's super interesting. Um, so when it was announced, Ben, I did write about it. So for shame that you didn't. I didn't care at the time, and until like energy prices are going crazy high now, and no one has any money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've changed mine over. I think it's worthwhile. I even changed my. Well, I kind of like how the PlayStation does this more than the Xbox because Xbox you have to say in its menu, I want to be set onto Energy Saver, and then you just turn console off, and it does that. 
every time you turn or you hit the power <laughs> button on your PlayStation menu, it asks you, do you want to go to rest mode or do you want to go power off? And so you can change your mind every time you do it. And it's just a little bit more user friendly from that point of view. I guess flip side to an extent. If you forget to do it, you know what your Xbox will do. Although you know what your PlayStation will do. It will go to rest mode. Yeah. Uh, the rest mode on the PlayStation, though, has, I think there's like timers on the USB slots. So if you're always uh, starting on your PlayStation and it gives you that like slap on the wrist because like your attached external hard drive didn't shut down properly, it's because like it's cut power to it while the PlayStation is in rest mode and off. And like then it just like, and then you have to turn it on and you get that annoying like, how oh, yeah. dare you do this kind of thing? So that's I think you can go into settings zone and fix that. I think I fixed that on mine now. So, but PlayStation that's... needs to relax. When the yeah. power goes out, relax PlayStation. You yeah, like I know it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Is it fine? It's fine. If it's not fine, then you can tell me. But don't give me an error message unless something has catastrophically occurred. How that's dare a good you. point. I have a. I do have a bunch of games on an external hard drive connected to my uh, Series X. Uh, and I, I did test it in Energy Saver, and it did update a game, but I think that was on the SSD. So I wonder if those external drives are also powered in. No, yeah, they are. They are. The oh. one, I have like an eight terabyte um, drive on the Xbox downstairs. And it still still works in. Yeah. Well, Energy yeah, it, it works as well as the, like I've said, it's worked. In, so yeah. like sometimes, yeah, it's weird. It's really hard to explain because like I was, I think we've talked about this in the past before. I had like every game I've ever bought, like downloaded for some reason. Yes. And like that was causing issues where like the hard drive was like too full to get an update. If it was like a Call of Duty, like 80 gig update randomly all of a sudden. So I called a whole bunch yeah. of games that I'd never play again. And it seems to be a little bit better, but occasionally you'll just go downstairs and turn on the Xbox, and there's like 27 updates that just didn't process. It's like, oh, crap. Yeah, every, every time for me. Yeah. Uh, but okay, I thought maybe that's why Instadon was using so much more power, but apparently not. So what the hell is it doing with like, this 20 times more power that it's drawing constantly? No idea. Uh, and also, if you're worried about, um, what's it called? Quick resume, fast resume, quick resume. Um, still works. That's that still works when you fully... You can actually even unplug your Xbox and plug it back in and resume that game straight away. So yep. that doesn't need power. I don't know what it's doing with all this extra power. Uh, if you're trying to save some money, like literally everyone is, change that mode on your Xbox because it's costing you a fortune to not play anything. Not even if you're trying to save money. If you're trying to save the planet in like the, 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 yes. least, the least effective way possible, really, by doing but absolutely nothing. <laughs> You know why I don't pay that? Because Xbox actually says that in the settings on the menu. It says 20 times worth power, save the planet or something. This is, you've stuffed something up and you need us to change mode now because Instant On sucks and you've managed to do Energy Saver better and you can't remove it for some reason. Like something's going on there and they've got someone in the marketing team or the PR team has gone, talk about saving the planet one Xbox at a time. That'll do it. And yes, there's a, a minor benefit there. But that's not why they've yes. done this. The, the world is in trouble because of the carbon footprints of, of major corporations, not like my house. But yes, um, at least I can sleep a little bit better at night knowing I've done my part, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. We're almost at an hour, dude. We got we to gotta oh, get out of here. Uh, how do we find you on the internet? I am Ben underscore Salt on Twitter, and we have no delays this week that I'm aware of. Everything's already been delayed, so we don't need our regular segment. We can just we can leave it there once you tell us how we find you. I'm going to delay myself just for fun. Oh. Um, yeah. I'm AU on the internet. Uh, please feel free to not engage with me if you want to make uh, a threat against my family members. That'd be great. Uh, we'll see you next week. That's right. See you next week.